you for having me today. I'm Suzanne Davis. And so I tutor academic writing for high school students and, and college students, and even sometimes graduate students. Hello, and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. And I'm from New York in the U.S. All right. Thank you so much for that, uh, Susan. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit. How is New York today? Tell us something. What, what do you see around you? I mean, give us some feeling. <laughs> okay. Um, well, today it's really sunny outside and it's hot. So I'm inside in the air conditioning. Um, but it's it's been a really hot summer here. Yeah, here in Italy, too, it's uh, really very hot, too. Hey, but it's okay. We will yeah. got to used to it now. <laughs> well, yes, and I'm an indoor person. I actually have uh, a lot of allergies, so I tend to be indoors a lot. I like mm -hmm. working remotely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but of course, everybody is now forced to work remotely. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely love working remotely to teach writing. Um, mm -hmm. And so... You know, I also teach other tutors, blogging, and I I just like this setup. That's interesting. So we have time to touch those areas just now. But first, let's try to know you, because here we pay a lot of attention to, to the story behind the individual who, who are here. So uh, tell me something. Were you born in New York, or did you come to New York from another place? Tell me uh, about that. I was born in New York State, and um, I'm north of New York City, so I'm nowhere near the exciting part of New York. Um, so I grew up here. I went to school here. Um, I did move away for school and, and graduate school, but wound up coming back because of my, my family. So how was it uh, to grow up in New York? Tell us a little bit about, we're interested in knowing more about your story. So you grew up in New York now. So how was it in your teenage time, your teenage years? Oh, my teenage years were really hard, um, but also my, my younger years. I had a really hard time with school because I have epilepsy and there's a social stigma to epilepsy. So... I had a lot of teachers and classmates that really just didn't uh, believe in me or think I was smart. Um, so it was actually kind of hard, really hard until I went to college and, and people were much more accepting. Yeah. And you grew your muscle, you can stand your ground on it, no? Because life is not always a perfect match all the time. So we need to be strong to understand maybe where we have uh, some area that is not the best strength, then we compensate with other areas. Well, that's what I had to do because I, I struggled with writing as a child. And it was actually the physical aspect of writing, the handwriting. With my epilepsy, I took a medication that made my fine motor coordination anything that I moved my hands with a little bit slower. And so I was told very young uh, when I was in the third grade that I couldn't write or I wouldn't go to college. But the positive side of that, where I was compensating for that, was that it really made me angry and motivated. 
I really wanted to prove people wrong. So, so that was actually a really good motivator. And you did manage because today you're an expert in writing. You teach people about blogging, about academic writing. That is something yeah. really fascinating, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. So tell me, why did you decide to become um, a writing coach? Help us understand that. Okay. Well, I, I struggled with writing as a young child, but then I did get better because I practiced a lot and I read a lot, but I never quite got to that A level that I really wanted to get at until college. And it was one professor who made a complete difference. Um, I had been getting okay grades in that class and she spoke to me afterwards and she said, why don't you see me? Because if you see me, I can help you. And when I help you, you'll, never write a paper that doesn't get an A again. And I thought, ah, I don't know. I don't quite believe her, but it's it's worth a chance, right? And she made such a difference. Um, she was right. I was a straight A student and it was just amazing. So I could see the difference she made, just the right person, the right coach, and it made me want to teach writing. So I studied English through, uh, through college and then in graduate school. And I was teaching writing there in graduate school. And I just fell in love with it and the difference that you can make one-on-one -on -one with one person uh, really makes me love coaching online. All right. So do you want to tell me a bit uh, what that um, professor of yours did with you to make you uh, uh, instead of just writing, now you are beginning to get A in your result. What, what did she do with you? What kind of miracle did she do? <laughs> yeah, well, she had me read a lot of other writers, which I had been doing, but to notice certain things like about the sentences or the punctuation, because what I was really missing was understanding how to write really good sentences uh, that didn't have sentence fragments or that just were a little bit awkward so they could be a little bit better. And then she also really helped me learn uh, punctuation, which was something that I never really understood and nobody really explained it well in, in school. They taught all about grammar, but, but punctuation was something that I was missing. So she would work with me for maybe 30 minutes at just a couple times a week. And I didn't actually need very many sessions in order for it to make a difference, just by the way she was teaching. Um, so I, I could see that you can make a big difference in somebody's writing in a short amount of time. So that was, that was a really good thing, um, really empowering. That's very interesting to know. And of course, as a, as a teacher today, as um, an expert who is coaching people about writing, I, I want to believe that all this that uh, happened to you, you put it into work to help other people to overcome their challenges too. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. And, um, you know, everybody has different writing challenges. 
of course, you know, my writing challenges had more to do with punctuation or with just a few things that I missed. But with some people, it's it's a deeper problem of something maybe they didn't learn. Maybe they weren't taught grammar or um, things that they've been passed along in the school system. Um, but when I work with them, I feel so connected to them because I've struggled in certain ways, even if they're not the exact same certain way. So in your time, when you were still a student now, uh, right there in New York, uh, were there other uh, students, other children uh, who were having maybe similar challenges or inability to really read as it were that maybe you remember? Um, growing up, I don't remember a lot of people that had challenges that I grew up with um, because the school system was very different when I was in New York State. So they would kind of filter people out. And so I was in that group where um, I was the lowest person in the average group. Um, what they used to do is they would take anybody, this was before the laws even changed, who had any kind of struggle um, growing up with writing or with any particular skill, math, and and they would just separate them into this other group. And it was really a terrible way to do the school system. Um, but so I always felt like, gee, <laughs> I'm the one struggling. And when you were separated in this uh, in this section, is it that, uh, for the purpose of special attention or so that you cannot uh, distract other children? Tell me what happened there, maybe. Uh, is there anything that you remember? Um, well, it was basically called a tracking system. Um, and yes, it was so that people could get um, what they considered remedial help, um, but it wasn't very effective and it didn't raise anybody or lift anybody up. Now, you know, we have inclusion and it's a very different system, um, you know, and people are in the classroom, they're getting extra support and services, but it's it's nothing like it used to be. Uh -huh. yeah. All right. Now, uh, talking of improvement, uh, is there any uh, book that you remember that you read in uh, that in, that helped you in a particular way? Because you did say that uh, the professor at the time, um, when you started to have session with her, and uh, of course she made you read and said it in and uh, help you to identify uh, certain structure and particularly punctuation uh, in your in the books that you were reading. I don't know if you want to share with us any of those books that actually help you in a particular way, so that other people, of course, can also learn from you. Okay, well, she didn't really use a book. Uh, that was really, I think, part of her teaching style. She created a lot of her own materials, um, which is something I've learned to do. But there have been books that have really helped me along the way. Uh, one of them is just a book about really developing as a writer and writing style. And it's a classic book. Um, it's called Writing Down the Bones, and it's by Natalie Goldberg. Um, it's a really, really old book. They've updated it, um, but it's one of the books that people really refer to. There's another book that 
is really good. And I think this gives you a better idea of your sentences and really your your punctuation and your, your grammar. Um, and it's, it's, I wanna say writing as style, uh, the style of writing, it's by Strunk and Elliot. So I know I have it on my bookshelf. <laughs> but I can't see my bookshelf right now. So it's okay. It's we'll get it. Style, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. The Elements of Style. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that book too. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you for that. that that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, now, do you remember at what stage or age, if you like, uh, that you were able to uh, overcome this uh, writing difficulty, if you want to call it like that? Um. I would say it was gradual as I was growing up. So one of the things that that teacher that said, oh, she can't write, didn't know was that I wanted to be a writer. Like that was my dream as a kid. So um, I was working on it and reading a lot and just writing fun things, stories and poems all throughout my my grade school years and and through college so there were those improvements over time and the more I read and the more I wrote and kind of taught myself the better I did so by the time I was in high school I was a B student so I was writing what a lot of people could consider well but it wasn't as well as I wanted it to be. All right, all right, that's good. But of course, uh, you are an expert there today, so that is something very interesting to know. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about this uh, story, this uh, background story, so that people understand that you didn't just jump there and begin to coach people. There is a, a strong history behind it. That is very important for us. Um, another thing I'm trying to understand even there, still, why you were still finding it difficult now before you get to high school, um, did you enjoy reading? Did you like to read? Tell me I about that. I loved reading. Reading was something that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and I read all the time for for fun. So I, I read a lot of really good classic authors. Um, and I picked up some things from that. But when you're kind of teaching yourself, uh, you can only teach yourself so much. I didn't really have teachers that I felt comfortable going to and asking for help because school just didn't seem like a very friendly, encouraging place. And by the time I was in middle school, uh, they weren't really teaching punctuation and grammar and those things. So I kind of missed certain things uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, what kind of books were you really interested in reading? You know, uh, one thing is to read. Another thing is to really enjoy reading. You know, uh, if you are compared to read, okay, you read what you are compared to read. But now if you have to choose what you have to read, that is a com something completely different. So I'm trying to understand at that time, what kind of books were actually interesting for you to read that you could really love reading? Um, well, when I was younger, it was books like Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, a lot of those classic children 
stories that I read along with really funny books. Um, so any of the writer that was really popular at the time there who kind of wrote some more funny books was uh, Judy Bloom. But by the time I was in uh, junior high school, I was just reading anything that I could get my hands on. So a lot of them were mysteries that I would read. Um, some of them were just books in my my parents' basement. Um, so that was really funny. I'd be like, oh, what did mom read when she was young? <laughs> Let me pull that out. <laughs> or what did she read when she was in school? And so I wound up reading a lot of plays. Um, I got into Shakespeare a lot when I was in high school, but before that I was reading plays by Tennessee Williams and then some of the more contemporary people because uh, I just had a love of theater. So I read a lot of those types of literature. And then as I got um, much older, I was like, oh, Stephen King, I like all of this horror. <laughs> Let me read some more horror. Um, so I read a lot of Stephen King. <laughs> That's interesting. That's good. That's good. Because if, if you uh, know how to read now, and if you enjoy reading, then you can read almost anything, particularly those that interest you, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that is actually the joy in it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, for people who maybe are, having, are in a similar situation like you were at that time, what do you want to recommend to them? What do you think they should do? Um. I think they should, well, they should do some of those things that I did, which is like write every day and read. Um, but when you read, pay more attention to the actual writing. Um, that wasn't something that I was doing. I wasn't paying attention to like writing style or any of those things. And then as you're writing, get feedback, you know, go to somebody who's kind, <laughs> Not not somebody who scares you, but somebody who can really um, help you, give you an opinion and give you suggestions, um, because I think learning that way really helps you a lot. You find out what you need as opposed to just learning from beginning to end um, everything, because sometimes what we need is is different. We're at different points in our writing. Um, I wish that I had more feedback from from kind people <laughs> growing up uh, that just kind of showed an interest and in, were very familiar with writing. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. All right, now let's talk about the business side of it because you are a, a, a writing coach today. Yeah, uh, that is very interesting. Tell me more about it. What exactly do you do? Um. Well. At first, before I was a writing coach, I was actually teaching um, writing at, at a university, but I was doing all of these office hours because I really believed in the power of working one-on-one -on -one with someone. So I saw that I was making the biggest difference that way. And then I thought, oh, I want to tutor. I want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I learned about how to do it online. I followed Joanne Kaminsky, um, and she's the founder of Online Tutor Coach. 
but I followed her like really just from the beginning and having a good mentor helped me a lot because there were so many things I didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to start a website. I didn't know any of the business piece and all of that was kind of scary because I was learning something entirely new. Um, So if I wasn't good at like reading and getting other sources and then also kind of connecting with other people, I don't know that I'd be able to do this. Um, I was very shy, very shy about having to even be on social media and have that social media presence and, and then other things like doing a video on my website and all of those things. So it was scary getting started. How did you overcome this scary part of it? Because now you are talking to me now you are you are you are, you are no longer um, scared to be to be here. No, how did you overcome that? That is important for us. Well, it was it was two things. One was I only thought one step at a time that I need to do something. So I only had to be brave for one thing. Um, so. One of the very first things, because I'd never been on social media, was getting on Facebook, you know, which is nothing to most people. Uh, But I was like, okay, I just have to think one step at a time. Get the account, fill out the account, put your picture out there. And then another step, build, build that, that page, that Facebook page, that business page. And as I was doing it, I was trying to give myself applause. And I was trying to reward myself every time I took a risk and did something. Um, The first time I did a YouTube Live, it's a terrible YouTube Live. I did it with Joanne Kaminsky. And it's just the worst thing. But I was rewarding myself because I did it. So anytime you feel like you're going to take something scary, I'd prepare just a little bit, but then dive in and do it and reward yourself after. How did you feel in those initial moments when you were beginning to, you know, now you are getting closer to the water. You don't just jump into the water though. In my place it is said, you need to test the depth of the of the water with only one leg. You don't test it with two legs because then you are gone. Yes. Put, one, <laughs> put one leg in it if it is too deep so you know how to rearrange yourself and know uh, your next approach so i'm looking at that first approach and that initial stage where you go to facebook you only okay just put your picture there then you come again and again until you are finally present there tell me about the feeling how did you feel about it um well first i would feel nervous and then i would feel like once i did it that wasn't so bad. You know, I, I didn't have a heart attack doing it. That, that was okay. You know, people didn't come out from all over the world to criticize me. You know, I, I, I survived it. So when you feel like you survive it, um, it's like, okay, I can do one more thing. Yeah. You know, when you were explaining, something actually was uh, uh, moving in my head, no? that uh, in the internet uh, world, of course, it is true that everybody is connected, no? that 
uh, we almost don't have secrets anymore because we talk about everything we are here with our faces known you can't hide anymore because you go out on the street this the cctv are capturing you so you don't have anywhere to hide now so what, what do you do now what do you do about that but now when it comes to maybe uh preparing your intentional presence maybe online with your business or maybe making a video sometimes it just comes to us naturally to think that everybody in this world is going to be watching that your video that you are talking about and they are not going to be seeing anything good in it they're going to be seeing all your error all the mistakes <laughs> anyway i think this is our mind tricking us tricking us to remain in our comfort zone and it is not good we need to be courageous to because first of all it is not even true that everybody is going to be watching you because nobody knows you so your video is going to just sit there taking dust until you do it again and again and again so yeah. i think we need to come out of that to understand that even people were to see it they wouldn't criticize you because they, they are probably going to be like you uh, those that are seeing it no so why would they criticize you they're going to be happy that you even put yourself out there <laughs> yes and it, it, yeah yeah nobody found me right away <laughs> and so i had to keep doing things to be found and each time i was doing them i was like oh i'm a little bit better I'm feeling more proud and and that's how people find you is when you keep doing something. Absolutely, absolutely. We are, we are currently preparing our course now on storytelling, how to master storytelling and even use storytelling for business. Of course, you can see here, it is written, everyone has a story to tell. We do really believe it. And of course, in one of the, uh, one of the uh, lessons, People, we understand that we talk about uh, limited belief and some of those things that we said to ourselves, those negative self-talk that don't allow us to move forward. Uh, those are things that we need to conquer because they are not going to help us. Uh, of course, your mind is going to tell you to remain where you are. That is where you are safe. You know, yeah. it's, like the, it's like the saying that the boat is safer or the ship is safer in the harbor. But guess what? It was not made to be in the harbor. The ship is supposed to be in the what in the in the ocean sailing. If you are not sailing, then it's useless. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I like that analogy with the the ship there. Yeah. Thank you. All right, now I want you to tell me something. How do you approach your coaching so that the people you are coaching can get results? Tell me about that. Okay, so when I first work with somebody. Um, I want them to to get to think about themselves as a writer. A lot of people come to me and they say, writing's not my thing, or I just don't know how, I'm just not good at this. And so part of my coaching is to start off with a short writing activity that is not graded. It's called a free write. And just get them into writing because when we're not thinking about being judged with our writing, it tends to be much better than we think it is. Um, so trying to build people up into that sense of I'm a writer, I have that story to tell. That's something that I do every lesson. And then it's a matter of tapping into what do you want to write or what do you need to write and guiding them through that process so that they can do it the way that's best for them, whether it's 
brainstorming ideas or kind of drawing mind maps and trying to just figure out your ideas first and then putting them together into a draft and giving them feedback along the way um, and teaching them what they need to to learn as they're going along. So say somebody is struggling with sentence fragments, then I see that in their writing, we can kind of pull that out and practice with that a little on, until they get it and kind of bring it back into that piece of writing. Okay, now scanning through uh, some of your students because you you do a lot uh, different types of writing. Yeah. Uh, novel, uh, academic writing, blogging these are different types of, of writing so for you to be able to do the meaning you have grown a lot no to understand the different style and techniques and strategy to pull them out yeah uh, so i'm trying to understand um what are the challenges you see some beginner writers have say maybe for example somebody is beginning to start as a writer now what are the challenges they have just scanning through your students now to to see what they tell you, what they talk to you about? Well, I, when I start with beginners, um, usually it's, it's their confidence first, and then it's the idea of how do we write, um, you know, the, the basic pieces of, of writing. And so it is through teaching them kind of step-by-step step that process in that, that we're also building skills, that I'm also pulling out those skills. If it's something like blogging, where they're familiar with writing, but they're totally beginning with the idea of what a blog is, and they've got these ideas with that, uh, a lot of it is also looking at examples of writing and learning through those. And then practicing the different styles and how to organize your ideas so that it's it's a blog post which is very different than an essay so um but it's always starting with people's sense of confidence and seeing themselves as a writer uh, similar to you i believe that everybody has a story to tell and so there's always things that we can write you know we have those stories to tell so everybody is a writer it's just a matter of developing those tools over time all right so uh, of the type of writing you do of course we did make mention of uh, academic writing just now blog writing mm -hmm. which is uh, articles and the rest of it you also write uh, books uh, correct um no i don't write books <laughs> all right Okay, now let's look at storytelling just as it is now. How do you approach writing itself? Say an idea come to you now. This can be either you are looking at academic writing or a blog. How do you approach it so that from the idea you have in your head, you have an article that is good for people to read? It actually depends just on my mood. Um, sometimes if I have an idea in my head, I just do what's called free writing. And I just put that idea at the top of a page and I just sit down and I write whatever I'm thinking without editing. Uh, and, you know, even I set a timer. And so 
even as I'm writing, if I'm getting stuck, I don't stop. I just write I'm stuck and then I keep writing. So that's sometimes something that I use. The other thing that I like to do is try and map my ideas out. So I use a mind map. I put my idea in the center of a circle in a map and then I start drawing branches out to different ideas I have. And as I think of more details, I add more lines with more circles, with more details. All right. Uh, now, as a, as a blog, uh, which of course is different from, um, from, a write, from an academic writer, of course, I'll ask you to talk to me about academic writing just now. But mm -hmm. looking at a, a blog now, uh, do you want to tell me how you are supposed to structure it so that it can become interesting to read? It can become a good blog, no? Because, yeah. okay, I understand that blog is, okay, you, you pull out your thought there, that is a message you want to pull out, then you put it out there. But, okay, I don't think it's just a question of pulling it out there, even though they might be perfectly written. I try to understand that the way it should be structured so that it can be a good blog, talking of today, 2022. Okay, well, the way that I look at it is... Um, different sections, kind of breaking things down into different sections. So you always want to start off a blog with what's called a hook. They'll say in a blog, the most important sentence is that first sentence. Um, and there, you know, I tell people this can be a story related to your topic. This could be a metaphor, something fun to kind of draw people in. And then that next part in a blog is really... Uh, a transition and this could be something really simple um, it could be something like let's dive into this more and then it's a matter of breaking things down into simple sections with big headings um, and I like to do this with uh, smaller paragraphs a lot of white space visual things and I think of I always suggest to people um, to almost think of it as very conversational as they're doing it. So in education, um, it's always like, well, how would you explain this topic to a student in a classroom? You wouldn't sound like a teacher. You would have a more casual voice and you would break it down into kind of these logical sections. And then there's some kind of conclusion that has a, a call to action, which is the next thing that you want people to do. Because when we're writing blogs, we're also writing blogs to get found by people, right? So we want to give them something to do, whether it's to uh, follow us on social media, to sign up for something, um, all of those different things. But a really good blog has kind of a sense of variety through it in those different sections. Um, most people, as sad as this is in the writing world, when they come to a website and a blog, they're not reading it word for word. So you really have to make those, those sections very readable. Um, sometimes people will only read certain sections. So it's, it's a little bit different because I work with teachers most of the time they're used to writing for other teachers when they write. All right. Thank you for that.
now, looking at the uh, algorithm that is uh, developing at a very high rate, is changing continuously. Google continues to change uh, the rules all the time, no? which yeah. means that a, a blog article that you have written 10 years ago today, <laughs> uh, it probably is not going to be found at all. So I want you to uh, talk to me about uh, how you um, approach uh, the SEO. Maybe, for example, you are teaching children now, teaching students, sorry, not really children, students who want to become article writer or who want to improve on their article writing. Uh, what do you tell them about SEO? Well, we do do SEO. We, we look up good keywords on topics that are going to attract their ideal client. One of the difficulties I noticed, because people are writing for a business, they're not just writing to have their articles read is you have to find good SEO, good keywords for those topics. So I teach people to brainstorm different topics that their ideal client is going to be interested in them. And then I just teach them the basics. Okay, you've thought of a keyword phrase. Now let's search for how many monthly people are how many monthly views there are in that. Um, so we'll go to a tool. The one that I use the most often is called Uber Suggest. These, there's even free Chrome extensions. So if you use Chrome, there are some of them that will give you the monthly views. And then I ask them to put those keywords in quotes. So we do this, we're practicing together and we're getting the exact search results out of Google. Um, but it's a process. I love it. So I geek out over it. I geek out over teaching it. Um, but for a lot of people, it's, it's a little bit technical. And so kind of going through it with me or with somebody else really helps them get that. Um, and once, once they start finding keywords and putting them in their sections and in their titles, they start to get really, really excited about it really excited. Oh, how can I figure out a really good title that has a keyword phrase in it? Um, they start to see the, the fun side to it. All right. That is for article and blog. Exactly. What about academic writing? What do you want to tell us about that? Is there any different approach to it? Is it the same? Tell us something about that. Well, academic writing is very different. Um, first, it's the, the format is very different. So, for most uh, people, they're asked to write an essay or a research paper where you need to kind of come up with your, your thesis statement. So you have to be really organized about what it is you are going to write about, not just the topic, but what you're going to prove or you're going to show. And then that determines everything about how you organize it. The writing style is very formal, so you don't use anything that's the second person, like the word you, whereas you'll see that a lot in blogging. And so kind of teaching those things, the, the style of the writing, and then how you organize a, a research paper. So you have your thesis statement, and then every section or every paragraph is about supporting that and contributing an idea to that. 
and then it's about concluding it and kind of wrapping that up. So it's, um, it's a very strong format that's very different. Um, it can be fun if you really like your topic, but people generally find writing something like a blog a, a little bit more creative. <laughs> All right. Now, um, what do you tells, uh, tell your students to do in terms of how to research their academic paper? Yeah, I want you to spend some time on the research part of it, how to yeah. gather the material, the information. Well, first we come up with a question, right? Or a series of questions about their topic. And then it's taking the words in those suggestions and using them to search in different search engines for journal articles. And then also going to, to um, usually it's a university library to use those words to search. Um, I like to use Google Scholar. So if you come up with a really good research question and you just type those words into Google Scholar, you can start to see a lot of articles. You can read their descriptions. You can click on them. A lot of them, they'll give you the full article or where to find the full article. And so you can skim. And by skim, I mean just open it up, read what it's about, read a few of the beginning paragraphs and the headlines and see, is that something that's going to help you understand your question? Um, and then it's a matter of looking at the different sources and you know finding more sources. I always tell people, if you find a really good source, look at the bibliography, the sources at the end and start seeing where that person got those ideas because you'll find more sources that way that address your question. So I describe it to people as being a detective, really searching for evidence to prove a particular case. Um, and I think that's a really good way of looking at it when you're doing research. And then it is a matter of how do you read this? How do you take notes? Um, that's a really tricky part for a lot of people. Um, please say, talk more about that. We like that tricky part. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, the, the, the habit that I find is people don't always know what's important. And so they highlight everything or they underline everything. And so I always try to tell people, think of the shape of the article and what it's going to be about. And the way you do that is if there's an abstract, you read the abstract because the abstract is going to tell you what they discovered. And then you read the introduction piece. And when you read that introduction piece, think about, okay, well, what's the, the main thing that they're searching for? And then I tell people to read the first sentence of each paragraph. And at this point, you're starting to see the, the shape of what things are there. And you already know, okay, this is going to be about this by the end, by the conclusion. So then you are reading for details and writing the details about the big ideas. So I usually tell people to get no cards or to have a, a separate document where they can kind of pull out notes and quotes that they find important. Uh, 
And then, of course, write in the margins, but use words and use your own words as you're saying, oh, that's an important detail. That's that's a statistic that proves something. And I need to know that. Now, about uh, maybe citation and um, okay, reference and the format of, of academic writing, what do you want to tell us there? What do you think people should know? Well, it's it's different depending upon what style you have to learn. So there's always style guides um, like APA, if that's it, or MLA. And, and so you can buy those books and, and learn those things. But the basic thing that you want to know is what do you have to cite? What What is paraphrasing and then what is stealing something or plagiarizing something? So uh, a lot of times it's that first step is figuring out, well, this comes from another source and it's a new idea. And so that's something I need to put in parentheses and add the author or the author and the, the year, or if it's MLA, it's the author and the page and start putting those, those citations. Usually, I suggest in an outline before they've even started to write or just as they're writing. Um, and then finding the bibliography references. There's a really good website that helps you figure these things out. It's called Purdue OWL. So that's P-U-R-D-U-E. They have almost every lesson about every aspect of citations for the major citation systems for MLA, APA, I think the Chicago style. So those help you figure out your, your bibliography and how to write your references that should always be at the end of a, a paper. Now, looking at um, writing generally, I don't know if you use storytelling. Like I said before, we like storytelling a lot. Of course, yeah. <laughs> storytelling for us is everything if I'm just putting words there. Uh, so uh, do you want to tell me how you use storytelling in your writing? I use it more with blogging. And I usually use it to introduce a topic in a blog. So if it's something like a, a story that I can, where I'm relating the experience. Maybe it's something that I went through that I'm writing about with writing. So if I can tell a story there, that's a really good way to introduce a topic. Um, if I can tell a story about somebody that I've worked with, not with names or anything, or just something I've done in a classroom, if I can frame it in those story terms, I find those are really good way to kind of get people to say, oh, I want to, to read this or, oh, I want to learn this. Um, I find storytelling works on, on basic website pages, like an about me page and all of those things, instead of making it sound like a resume, like I did this, I went to school here. Um, so being able to kind of piece out, pull out different pieces of your your story and use that to talk about why you do something. I find it really useful in those types of writing. In academic writing, a lot of times um, 
unless it's something where you're writing like observations in a classroom or maybe for education, storytelling isn't really popular there. Um, it's not really something that one does unless it's um, the story of how it, a study took place. Um, but any of the personal essays, I help people with their personal statements for college. That is almost all storytelling because you want a college or any kind of university or graduate student to know you. So you've got to have storytelling in those types of things. Now, when you look at story and uh, say maybe writing, this can even be books or academic writing or blog. I'm trying to understand what actually make a good writing. How do you describe a good writing? Well, with a, a story, I always try and talk about people with some interesting beginning. Um, and usually if I can, I tell them to, to also think about how that's going to build. Um, we look at different ways in which you can, if you're building like a short story, how you can build a different a different story up, where that climax is, where that that turning point is, if it's something in your life where you've had some kind of realization and pulling out those different things. But it really, because I have people doing a lot of biographical thing, so much of it comes from them finding that story and picking it out of their lives that helps them really tell it. I tell them to be really descriptive in their language, think of things through the, the senses, the five senses, to give people that, that feeling that they're there. Um, all of those things help if they can use metaphors or analogies or symbols, things like that, that people can identify and relate with those, those help too. For people that want to uh, start writing, uh, where do you think they should start from? I mean, what are the yeah? What is your recommendation for for beginners writers so that they can become better writer? My first recommendation is to actually sit down and write for five minutes a day, um, and don't worry about judging it. You can pick writing prompts. I find there's so many on the internet just to give you. Uh, a story if you want to write a story topic and write just a very little it doesn't matter if your sentences are perfect but just start building up those writing muscles um, that's really the beginning piece is actually sitting down to write until somebody does that they they can't really learn writing because they're not thinking of themselves as writers so Really just start with a little bit a day. And as you're doing that, also be reading and noticing other writers. What do you like? Is there a phrase you like? Is there a sentence you like? Um, and then you can start working with somebody step by step on how to, to start those pieces of writing. But I find that it's really about 
consistency and writing a little bit each day that's going to make the biggest impact, which is strange because people always think, oh, Suzanne, it should be a lesson. Um, but I'll tell you, my best students, they're all like, that's the biggest thing. That's the most important thing to get because it it does help them see themselves as writers. It does help them realize I have things to say. And when you have those things to say, you're not worried about, is this perfect? Um, and it's when we're worried about, is something perfect? And we're judging ourselves as that, are judging. When we're judging ourselves, that's when we get stuck and we really aren't open to learning. It's like maybe when people, okay, like the example you were giving before, no? And when you were new to the social media, you think that maybe when you put a post or a video of you there, the whole world is going to see it. Yeah. The several billion people in this world is going to see that post. Ah, they are going to judge you. They are going to condemn you. Ah, look at it. You make this mistake and all that. It's not. That is not true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think about it. If you want to learn how to exercise and do something, you wouldn't start off with, you know, let me, you know, if you want to, run something. Let me run a full mile. You know, you would really start off slowly and kind of build that up and then reward yourself. Well, hey, I'm doing this every day. Isn't that awesome? You know, those Absolutely. types of things. Uh, rewarding yourself a little bit always helps with keeping you going, giving yourself some applause. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, now it's sort of a personal story. What do you really love about story, about writing? Tell us about what do you personally like about it? I love that you can share your, your voice and your ideas through writing. Um, I, I've always felt that if you can write something, it kind of has a lasting impact. So, I can express my ideas, you know, I can tell my friends my ideas, but when I write something and I put it out there, it's going to last longer. And I love that feeling of contributing my ideas and my stories to the world. So it's empowering, really empowering. It's empowering, yeah. That is an awesome power. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, coming back to business again, uh, what is your coaching, your writing coach actually concentrated on? Uh, tell us a bit about uh, who should be, uh, who should contact you for, uh, for assistance? Okay, well, there's really two groups of people. Um, the people who are struggling with any kind of writing to do with academic essays or research papers or anything that you do more often in like advanced high school or or college or even graduate school. I help a lot of people with their graduate level writing. The other group of people that I help a lot with my business are people who want to get into college. So it's writing personal statements. So if you're planning on going into college or I help people with getting into graduate school, all of that writing that you need to do for your applications, those are people I work with a lot and help. Um, also people who need to write things for, 
for any kind of scholarship that they're applying to. All right. So how can people connect with you, those who want to maybe work with you? Uh, share with them how they, how they can reach you. Okay. Well, the easiest way to reach me is really on my website. Uh, you can click from my homepage to whether you want to get help with your academic writing or that personal statement. And from there, you can can get a free consultation with me. Um, I also have a contact form with my email, so you can always email me. Uh, those are pretty easy and, and quick ways to get in touch with me. But we always start off with a free consultation to see if we can work together well and if I can really be helpful to that person. All right. Now, uh, what would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation? Maybe that is something you, you wanted to say I did not ask you uh, because I'm not able to know everything that you <laughs> that is important for you. So please go ahead and do that. Okay. I would say everybody is a writer with stories to tell and ideas to share that make the world better. All it is is a matter of, of learning. So... Even if you think that you are not a good writer yet, you are a writer, you just need the right lessons or the right coaching or the right writers group that's going to support you. All you need to do is learn a few things because we're all writers deep down. Susanna Davis, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure talking with you. I really uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate that. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate our review Obehead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A14. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.